0: You are listening to Onward with William McCarthy, live from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, hey, hey. How we doing, everybody? It's me. I'm just checking in with you, doing my little podcast thing. Lots going on here. My old headquarters at the ship, President Street, New York City. Anyways, so what's going on? I've been watching the Olympics, not going to lie. Little known fact, I love Olympics. Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, doesn't matter. Love it, man. Uh, a little hard to watch it on Amazon Fire Stick. I don't know if anyone's going through those trials and tribulations. A little bit annoying. Uh, it doesn't really stream live very well, but anyway, it's still fun. Uh, little, a <laughs> little interesting seeing Kim Jong-un's sister sitting next to creepy Mike Pence. M- Mike Pence looks like he's trapped in formaldehyde. He looks if He's, he's like two bolts shy of Frankenstein, that guy anyway yeah pretty weird seeing them sit next to each other and how about those north korean cheerleaders huh anyone <laughs> a little awkward anyways uh yeah totally totally fun i love watching that stuff it makes me so happy to look at all the countries and how stoked they are it's just like a weird um mashup of cultures is so it's so like invigorating to me seeing people like trying to personally better themselves and like have these seminal moments in their life that they'll tell their grandkids about. It's kind of exciting. And I love seeing all the different flags and like the Uzbeki people. Did anybody see that when they came out? They were wearing these like kind of like Mongolian type of hats. So the little stuff and clues like that are what I spend my time like trying to connect. Like, wait a second, okay. Asia, Asia, hmm, Turkey. All right, that's where it starts, wow. Asia, very different than the Asia we're taught about in school. I think in North America, when we say Asia, we think, you know, China, and we don't think of India, we don't think of Turkey, we don't think of that, so a little kind of stuff that piques my interest, and I don't know, love it. Okay, moving along, um, I just came back from California, it was absolutely a beautiful experience hanging out with my sister. Went through some photos of what you're probably seeing online. So nice, just so nice, just seeing the sunset. It's like 80 degrees Fahrenheit there. Um, eating Mexica food, Mexican food every day. Like, what a wonderful part of the world. If you've never traveled on the PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway, down Highway 1, um, I suggest you do so if you can. I I did a song about Highway 1 on our second record, or a self titled record. And it's just like this place that I go that makes me reflect and I look out over the water. And it's just like this place of peace, this feeling of peace that I have when I'm there. And I can't believe it. Like, of all the regions of the world that I've seen in my life, um this one, it's just like, I, it, it's tough to find a contender. I've never been to South Africa, I've been to Australia uh, and seen coastline there. Also, was in Italy this summer, and I saw a bit of the coast there. Amazing. But if you haven't tried Highway 1, please try to get yourself there. It's a very touching place. All right, so what's on the desk today? I'm heading to Colorado this weekend. I'm going to be playing a show there. And um, next weekend, I'm heading to Ottawa, Canada, and I'm playing a pop-up show there. So this is the season of popping up and I'm absolutely loving doing it. It's such a good time with Dave Fernandez in California doing pop-ups there. Did a pop-up in Germany and London. Just having a really good time with it. I'm going to be touring in Europe in April and May. So uh, please keep your eye on williammccarthy.org for details or my socials. On that tour, I'm gonna be supporting my book, called Unsheltered. And some of you read some of the stories from it. And it's uh, basically stories from the road, stories from being a musician, stories from growing up, stories of New York City. So I'm super thrilled. I actually got to hold it in my hand and I have a copy here and it like gives me great pride. It's sort of interesting to think about that, that, you know, even if you can't really fathom something, just trying to take the footsteps to get closer to Things that scare you, right? Like I never thought that I would complete a book. Last thing on my list of uh, life goals, but it's something that intrigued me and it did scare me. And I think that for you know, two thousand seventeen was sort of like building a bridge. It's like this transitional year from Augustine's into my new my new world, my new my new horizon. Right. I feel like two thousand eighteen is about doing things that scare me and it's kind of addictive (laughs) uh i never thought i would play like a pop-up living room show and just went to germany and had like the best time doing it um shout out to stelios and nina it's just so wonderful for me at least from the musician's perspective to see everybody in a crowd getting treated well um i read something online that was talking about you know hey Why don't you come through chicago and there was sort of some sour grape feelings about uh the last time i played there and this is a terrific example of a club not treating um fans uh concert goers just not treating them right there was uh the famous portalu gate in in england where the club again didn't have their they've now since been shut down but it was like our last show and there was literally a porta potty a port loo on the side of the stage with a blanket over it. That was for the band. It didn't have a light in it. <laughs> and so and there was no heat in the building. It was just like unbelievable how it's unbelievable when these people have their mind on profit and selling drinks more than they do about having an experience. So from my perspective behind the guitar, behind the mic or uh, from the stage or whatever, it's so nice at the pop-up shows to see people treated right. Um, and also, it gives me a chance to get to know your stories and your lives because believe it or not, um I know musicians get too cool for school and they want to seem kind of like they're up on this you know like on this pedestal and you know all hail you know super cool impossibly cool musician person, but the truth is is that without you guys, there is that that musician would have no one to play to, so this You know, the journey that I've taken through Palo Augustine's and now into my own solo work, it's, I I realize, I think I've always realized, but I realize more than ever, like your stories end up in the songs. And I was saying that on a post uh, last week that your stories really do end up in the songs and they inspire me. And how a creative mind works is you sit there and you mine, you're kind of like a miner, you're like mining thoughts for um, for something really rich and potent, right? And like the more people I meet, the more inspired I am. And when I reach to tell a story, I reach out into that, into that bank in my mind of people's faces and their stories and things that they've shared with me. So like that makes me feel incredibly rich, like I'm living a rich life. So I'm enjoying getting out there and meeting people and, 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 and getting to know you guys. Okay. So yes, I'm going to be doing a book tour and that will be in April and May for, for everyone in Europe and Britain and Ireland. Um, and I am now for the first time embarking on my first solo tour um, through America. This is extremely exciting for me. This is going to be happening in March. So, um, tickets can be purchased on my website, uh, my Facebook musician page, Band in Town, Spotify, or Songkick. So just reach out and get involved and these are gonna be really, I mean, I've not played one yet that was underwhelming in any way. Um, Last time, God, it was so scary, playing in Los Angeles and uh, a fellow named Jeff came and he's like, my wife, has learned Walkabout and would love to play this with you. And um, we sat down with her and she knew it note for note beautifully. And that's the joy of collaborating and doing something improv and it was absolutely wonderful. So again, those dates are March 17th starting in Arizona and I'll be going all the way up to Canada. I think I'm going to call this tour the West Coast Swing. And I'm going all the way up the west coast of America. So if you're in one of these towns or cities, uh, feel free to drop by um, my website and the aforementioned um, websites to get a ticket. All right, moving on. Uh, So, looks like I'm pretty busy. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) All right, so I have decided to make this podcast Interactive and I put a word out to you guys like are you guys interested in answering any questions or anything you want me to answer and Sure enough there you are. So question this is from Lee Tempest I've always been intrigued with the skill in writing music and songs Whilst I can read and play it composing is beyond me when you are writing new material is it the lyrics that come first the music or a combination of both is writing your new solo album different than Augustine's, as you don't have Eric and Rob? Well, Eric and Rob are always my my wingmen. I, I I have a sneaky idea that I sneaky feeling that they're gonna play on everything I ever do, um, so they're always with me in in spirit. And um, I think you know what I was exploring in the book and on, and that stuff is sort of the years before I came to New York, and I certainly played. Um, all through my teen years. So I I definitely had like a musical identity before I met them. And I think uh, writing, it's funny, I was obsessed as a kid with lyrics. And I always, I remember a, a friend of mine named Damon, who is also a musician, I remember having a huge argument with him. <laughs> we must have been about 18 or 19. And it was melody uh, versus lyrics. And if you look at the Beatles, um, uh, everywhere there's lots of piggies eating piggy lies, so it almost like didn't matter what the lyrics were so much as the melody, right? So that's a, like a hyper melodic band. Then you listen to somebody like a, you know, obviously a Bob Dylan or a Guthrie or Towns Van Zant. I've l- listened to a lot of Towns Van Zant, and you go on YouTube and you check out his performances. The guy was pitchy, he was out of tune most of the time, drunk. Um, And it wasn't, but you know, at first glance, you're like, what's this warbling, you know, slurring guy trying to say, he could barely sing. But the truth is, is it was storytelling for him. So that's another thing that I'm returning to now is I I really, I'm getting back to the written word and like lyrics and I think um, they generally, I would say in the past uh, melodies will come Frankly, man, I'm working on this idea. For example, the song Avenue. I just sat down, I just had a conversation with Eric about this. I just sat down and wrote that straight through. Um same with the song This Is Your Life, uh Juarez. These songs were like sat down, had a cup of coffee, wrote it, like Book of James was like that, just wrote it, got up, you know, recorded it, and walked off and was went on with my day. Then there's other songs like Still I Rise that have like tortured me and they take forever. And I've read about Neil Young talking about this, that um, some songs take 20 years to finish and some songs take 20 minutes to finish. Uh, but I think that, I so I, I don't think, I mean, you have to be open-minded as a writer too, because you know, you gotta take it where you can get it. <laughs> um, and uh, I think certainly um, no one's gonna, no one's going to tell a song to piss off because it's it's not coming in the way that they want it. But uh, at this stage of my life, I'm certainly like looking more towards lyrics. Um, speaking of lyrics, "Airplane Over the Sea," the Neutral Milk Hotel record came out twenty years ago last week. Um, if you're into lyrics, Lee or anybody else, and you've never heard this record, I strongly suggest um, checking it out because it's like a massive accomplishment lyrically. And most of it's about Anne Frank, if you can imagine. Um, okay. <clears throat> Moving on. This is from Jeff. All right. Do you have any interest in having new members join you for a new band or are you more interested in the freedom of solo work? Either way, can't wait to try to see you live in the state somewhere in the Midwest if possible. Thank you, Jeff. I had a conversation with my booking agent about this. It seemed at first that he, you know, they were telling me like, look, if you ever want to play, you know, Shepherds Bush or Coco and like get up into the big rooms and do that, you're probably going to need a backing band. And we started discussing having like a scalable type of um, act, right, that I could do kind of like Frank Turner does where he does solo guitar stuff. He also has a rock band and probably he can go out as a two piece and, you know, do like online performances and stuff like that. I love the idea. I think it's really it's such a such a razor thin margin right now of like trying to get tours to not be a loss. <laughs> that I think, I I want to master this phase of it first before I add anybody because it really is so hard to come home with money. I I obviously there's like the the my infamous coming home from my storytelling tour with fourteen hundred dollars and then realizing I probably spent that in my like getting the projector and everything when I did that whole storytelling thing that I actually came home after five weeks of work with zero. And those stories are true of sitting in a, you know, in a bus with a guitar tech that was making more than me, it sucks. And I think that that's doom and gloom, but you, you know, the way to change that is to learn and to like, avoid the icebergs, not be the Titanic so just have to like pull over even though it's annoying, roll up the sleeves, get a calculator out and do all the numbers and make sure it, like it's possible. So that's the only way to kind of keep a show on the road and unfortunately with Augustine's and a lot of other acts, you know, they get so excited because there's success and things are going on that the, the management and label just wants you out there and um, you know, no one's thinking about the numbers and fucking ship sinks, <laughs> imagine that. Okay, this is from Tina. If you were to do a collaboration with one female, who would it be and what song would you cover? Wow. You know, I think for my money, I think Florence has probably one of the coolest voices out there. So like, it's just so like uh, rich and she has such a good baritone, like a low, a lowness to her voice. Man, I would love to, that would be pretty awesome. I met her before once uh, at a festival she she was pretty drunk. I'm not gonna lie, um, and she was walking around in these funny, like almost like emo Phillips, type of boots with these high water corduroys, and she was hammered, and she was walking around the you know behind the, behind the stage and stuff, and I'm like, it was in Ireland. And I remember like who is this crazy chick, you know, and they're like, oh, actually she, she's playing after you guys, <laughs> so that was kind of a funny thing. Um, yeah, I was like, "Wow, she's pretty drunk to be going on stage," and she was actually looked like a a bunch of fun. She looked like a really nice person, but yeah, wonderful, wonderful voice. Okay, this is from Rachel. One place in the world that you would like to visit and why? To be honest, Rachel, I think South America at this point. Um, when I think about it, it, makes me glow. It's the last region in the like I think in the world that I, I, I haven't at least been to even a little bit. I, I, I think I've kind of nailed all of it with Asia and Europe and um, the South Pacific, America. Um, there's, yeah, I've even stopped through Russia a few times, but I've never, my boots have never been on the ground in South America. I think, you know, my Spanish ain't that great, but it's also not terrible either. And I remember speaking to this uh, girl that was from Argentina. Um, no, she was from Mexico, and I said, God, you know, I, w- I really want my Spanish to get better, um, but I don't really have time to study it, um, what can I do? And she's like, you know, Bill, I think that the Spanish language is the type of language where you can make mistakes and it's okay. And I thought that was really, I was re- that really made me sit and think like, wow, I love how handmade everything appears to be, at least as an outsider in south america um you see people like gas stations on the side of the road and they're you know filling up gas out of like coca-cola bottles and stuff i love like seeing peruvian blankets i love the colors that they use in their bracelets and i just can't imagine going you know from mexico down through guatemala um Panama El Salvador all the way to Chile and um, Colombia Venezuela and just traveling down 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 all the way to Ushuaia at the very southern tip of Argentina um, So that whole that that just inspires me to no end and I, I can only imagine the laughs and um, the musicology that I would be witnessing can you imagine and I I you know, for example, like in Peru, um, Machu Picchu, right? Or in Chile, like in in South America, those like those little beautiful women that wear top hats. Um, I think this would just be amazing to cross, you know, weave in and out of indigenous culture into urban culture, um, with gauchos, right? The, the the people in Argentina that. Um, do these amazing feats with like these cowboys basically that work with horses and how elegant they are and then seeing the different kind of um, music that these people play. I think it could be amazing. In fact, I would love to film something like that. In fact, I would love to do it on a motorcycle. (laughs) Okay, moving along. Jonathan P. Smith. I I know what you like to read about the towns you visit when you're on tour. What is the most interesting, weird, amazing thing you have learned whilst reading up about such things? That's a great question, Jonathan. The first thing that comes to mind is probably Nijmegen in the Netherlands. Um, So yeah, it's true. Everywhere I go, even my sister's house, I'm reading about it. Um, I guess try to educate myself or be aware or whatever. For whatever reasons, I do it. So I'm in Nijmegen and it was a lovely show. It was a pretty good sized show. I think it was like six or seven hundred people. It was nice. It was with Augustines and it was a type, one of those nights, typical Augustine's night, where we played the show and we went out and we were like, we want to see this place to come with. And like this big flock of people come, like 20 of us wandering around through the streets. Everyone's laughing, drinking wine. And we're looking at the moon and uh, they're like, yeah, this is where the uh, Americans bombed. And I'm, and I'm like, really? Like, why would we bomb the Netherlands? I mean, we didn't have any problem in the war with you guys, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, you should read about it. And so I get back to the hotel or the bus or whatever, start reading about Nijmegen. We thought it was Germany, and the Americans completely leveled a part of that place thinking that we were bombing Germany. It was a complete, you know, obviously because the coordinates and um, information coordinates with radar and so on was, wasn't so good in the 1940s. So we literally thought it was another country and we bombed the shit out of it. I think. I think we ac- I mean, we accidentally killed hundreds of people doing this and, um, that would be a weird, interesting, amazing, uh, thing that I had no idea. And it looked just like a town, you know, you wouldn't have ever known. So, um, recently I was in Koblenz in Germany, um, uh, hanging out with Stelios and Nina, and they were talking about the Rhine river that it's just rising. Right. And, uh, we're going through this town, and I look around, and literally there's all these, like, huge, uh like, pipes, like, in generators, like, sucking water out of people's basements, because the Rhine River is rising so much that it's, like, flooding the whole region. And I was thinking about, wow, so, that's fascinating. What did people do? What did people do about floods, you know, 100 years ago? How did people deal with it? And... um you know whenever you travel around you see castles and fortresses you usually see a mission and then a presidio um generally castles are up on hills right you ask yourself why and um it's probably because it kept it away from invaders uh, from floods and a really interesting thing that i noticed i was reading about the um the great wall of china and that they would do smoke signals like from from tower to tower so if there was you know, a threat coming at them that they could, you know, burn something and see a big cloud of smoke and then it would alert that there was trouble on the way, right? You know, I think actually that also, that might not have been the Great Wall of China. It could have been Rome. Okay, moving on. Heather, Heather Bryson, is there any one place, U.S. or otherwise, that you can imagine yourself settling down and feeling home? That's a great question, Heather. It's near and dear to my heart. Um there's different words for this, right? Uh I think in German it's is it Zenzuicht? And somebody told me um another word. Uh, it was it was Lisa I was telling me a word in in Welsh. And uh I guess like a, a melancholy, like a um like a longing. I also think there's a uh there's a Portuguese word for it called saudad, probably mispronouncing it. Um, I read that word because I saw it a lot in Portuguese lyrics, and like started researching it. It's just a melancholy, um, or a yearning, right? Um, I definitely have that for California. So if I, you know, if I if I ever settled down properly, like I'd love it to be in my homeland. And sometimes, you know, I was reading about Donald Trump. And his father, I think both those guys are kind of like not the greatest guys, but it seems like the grandfather was actually kind of like this Spartan, um, enterprising, brave young guy from Germany. And he actually ended up traveling from Germany as a young man and ended up in Alaska. That's a lot of ground to cover, you know, like a hundred years ago. Um, but this guy ended up in Germany and, uh, sorry, ended up in Alaska. And he made it that far from home, and I think back you know when people went off to Australia, you know from Ireland or people people you know they 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 often said goodbye to relatives as if they maybe they would never see them again because people didn't have mobility, they certainly didn't have the money and you know if you left Italy a small village in Italy in you know eighteen seventy five to go to America, you might not make it back so I think that that longing uh, for home is always going to be inside of me. And I see that longing in immigrants and I recognize it. And I long, I do, I long, I long for the coast. I long, um, I long for the sun and I long for uh, Mexican people. And I long for all the sensory uh, feelings that I felt growing up. The smell of eucalyptus, um, the sound of seagulls. I long for um, the way I squinted my eyes when I looked at the sun, and sometimes I wonder if I'll ever get back there. A funny thing happens in life, like when you, when you go forward, um, what worked as a child uh, might not work for you as an adult, and I think that one thing I can say about New York City is I, it's got incredible people. Um, and the more I travel, the more my mind gets opened up. So I go to Britain and I can't believe like, it's like, I'd never, you know, their humor is incredible. Like British humor is amazing. You can't beat it. And then you've got, you've got Irish pubs, like how you have, how could you live without that? You know? And then, you know, of course you've got Duner kebabs in Germany. How could I ever live without that? Um, and then you've got wine in Spain, and then you've got just like the, the, the feeling that, it, that you feel in Southern Europe. Um, but then you got the sophistication in like you know School of Hard Knocks, like New York City. It's sort of funny, like you guess, you can't, uh, you can't have it all, right? So sometimes I fear that if I moved to California that I would miss all those things. Um, I'll never stop traveling and I'll never stop singing. So maybe it's about being patient, and one day maybe I'll be able to live back in my homeland, and travel from there, and get to be a part of all those wonderful observations and things that I've learned along the way. Okay, friends, I hope this wasn't <laughs> too long of a, a podcast. I tried something new on my uh, on 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 my Patreon, right? Um, so people who are Or following on patreon on the zen and the zen denners the the higher tier people i did a I did my own cooking show uh oh god two days ago it was pretty bad uh but i like that it was bad it was it's pretty bad in that like i don't know how to cook very well and i think i want to keep that going (laughs) so if there's anything you want to see me cook uh on my zen den cooking show i think i'm going to try to do that every fortnight or every couple weeks or whatever and um. okay friends thank you very much for tuning in you've been listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from Brooklyn, New York I'm excited, there's a lot of shows coming and I will be out and about and I'll be uh, coming to a town near you, so keep in touch be well, keep your chin up